Revelation chapter 4, you guys, headed to heaven. The Bible tells us, Paul says in Colossians, that we are to set our mind on things above, right? To set our minds on heaven. And, uh, you know, I'm often reminded, as I see Luke, you know, walk in, and, and uh, yeah, just that one day that he's going to be able to run and jump and going to hear that little voice again, to hear him praising the Lord, you know, there's things in our lives that keep us, you know, in that place of setting our minds continually on things above, and so, you know, we can be grateful and thankful for our storms and uh, the difficulties that we face in life, and we're going to learn in Revelation that one of the songs that we're going to be Singing, one of the things we're going to be proclaiming to the Lord is that everything you've done is righteous and true. God doesn't make mistakes, you guys. Everything he does, righteous means everything he does is right on. It's true, ain't no lie with the Lord. Are you with me this morning? So, listen, the best is yet to come. We are to set our minds on things above. And so, Revelation, is everybody there? Revelation 4 already? i got to get there myself. Revelation 4. Hey, don't forget tonight, our evening, our Sunday evening service at 5. We are in the book of Revelation. We're a couple chapters ahead. So if you want to join us for that, um, for our study, our time of worship, uh, you're more than welcome to come. Revelation 4, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, Jesus, again. What a special morning you've given us to be together, to be with you. And now just to settle our hearts, to settle our hearts that we might hear your voice. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be soft and tender to receive your implanted word with meekness. That uh, as your word goes forth, as the seed goes out, that it would find that soil, that we would have soft hearts, that we would keep your word, apply it in our lives, that we might bring you glory with the fruit that we bear. Thank you, Lord, that our names are written in heaven that you're coming for us, Lord, as your word says. And along the way, Lord, you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so what else can we say but thank you, we worship you, we adore you. And as we open your word, Lord, speak to our hearts. Minister to us, change us, Lord, transform us. By the power of your spirit, we ask for your glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right. So, let me get this timer going. Well, that's okay. You guys can be late for Costco samples. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. I'll just have to watch the clock back there. Revelation 4. All right. You guys remember what revelation means, by the way? Revealing, right? Unveiling. The revelation of Jesus Christ. We are seeing, we are seeing the revealing of Jesus Christ in all of his beauty all of his splendor, all of his majesty. Listen, this morning, again, God wants us to know more about Jesus. That's how we began this book, recognizing and realizing that God wants us to know more about Jesus, to see him, again, in all of his beauty, all of his splendor. And remember with me, who's writing this, by the way? John the Apostle. You guys remember John the Apostle is the one writing this. And he is doing his best to describe the things that he's seeing and the things that he's hearing. And he uses those words like, 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 
or as. Again, he's trying to use the best he can to describe what he's seeing, especially this morning as we see this heavenly scene. And John, where was John when he received the revelation? Isle of Patmos, right. Was he on vacation, just chilling out? What was he doing on, on Patmos? You guys remember? He was, it was, he was incarcerated. That was a prison island. John's like 90 years old at that time. He's not retired and chilling out on an island somewhere. He has been persecuted. He has been, he, he couldn't be killed. They tried to kill him. And so they said, you know what? How are we going to stop this guy? Let's get rid of him for a while. Put him out on this island. He's in this place of isolation. And what does he receive in his place of isolation? The greatest revelation. And maybe you've come in here this morning and you feel like you're isolated. You're in a place of isolation and no one knows what you're going through and you feel like you're all alone. Listen, the Lord knows and he wants to reveal himself to you in a special way in that place, just like John. And so Jesus met with John on the island of Patmos. And so as we see this chapter four and chapter five, like I said earlier, we're going to heaven, you guys. There are lots of jokes about heaven, aren't there? I'm not going to say any jokes because I don't know any jokes about heaven, except that people talk a lot about, you know, what heaven's supposed to be like when you get there, Peter's waiting at the gate, right? All the good boys and girls get in, all the bad boys and girls don't get in, and he's the one who's controlling the whole scene, and that's bogus, of course. Um, we also know, also people talk about what? That when you get to heaven, you're going to be on clouds and playing, like looking like big chubby babies, right? Just... <laughs> strumming a harp. For, listen, heaven will not be boring. It will not be boring. And sometimes you read books. Sometimes you read books or go to, go to movies. 12 minutes in heaven or 32 seconds or whatever in heaven. And people ask me about that all the time. And I say, you know what? I don't really read those. I read what God says about heaven. Because that's really all that matters. Everything God wants us to know about heaven and hell are right in the, the Word of God. Right in, the, right in your Bible. And he's given us what we need to know why. And he's given us enough so that we would be hungry for more. The Bible says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed those things to us by his spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals these things to us and shows these things to us. And, and our hearts are longing for more of that, for more of him, for more of heaven. Where we're going to learn in Revelation where God will wipe away every tear. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more cerebral palsy, no more death, no, not being able to hear, not being able to talk, no more terrorism or, or murder or, or, or ISIS or any of those things, you guys. That'll all be gone, rid of, forgotten forever. We will be experiencing the beauty and majesty of Jesus Christ and God's grace will be revealed to us throughout eternity. Different facets is going to be so glorious and awesome. And so we get a taste of that this morning. We get a sneak, we get a sneak peek, sneak, sneak peek, not a sneak peek, that's a new word, sneak peek of coming attractions this morning. And so again, Colossians 3, you know, I'm going to read that verse real quick because I think it's an important verse this morning. Colossians 3, Verse 1, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We are not to be consumed, driven by the things of this world, the things of this earth, you guys. 
I've died with Christ. The old Mike, he's dead with Christ. Those people that got baptized yesterday, what they're saying to everyone that's watching, I'm dead. I'm dead to the things of this world, dead to that old life. I'm coming up in the newness of life, setting my mind on things above, seeking the things that are above. I'm going to be seeking heaven. I want everyone to know that I follow Jesus. That I'm no longer living for myself. Listen, what happens when you focus on the things of this earth, things of this world? You know what happens? You, get, you become Mr. and Mrs. Depresso. You get bummed out. You get depressed. Why? Because you were created for his pleasure. We're going to learn this chapter. If you're living for your own pleasure, guess what? You're going to be bummed out. You're going to be empty. You're going to be lost. Because you were, and I were created... For his pleasure. Again, if you're living for your own pleasure, you're not going to find it in the things of this world. Whether it's money or success or fame or fortune or sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that stuff will leave you empty. Why? Because you're wired to walk with him, to bring him pleasure, to know him. And so we're headed to heaven. Amen. Amen. Not good news. Do you guys remember our divine outline for the book of Revelation? Where do we find that thing? It's not in a Christian bookstore. It's not online. Could be. Remember the divine outline? You guys remember where it is? Chapter 1, verse... Thank you. Chapter 1, verse 19. Isn't that great? I don't think the book of Revelation is hard to understand. I don't think God... I don't think God rolled it out this way. I'm going to give him a book in the Bible that, you know what, I'm just going to hide the whole thing from him. I don't want him to know. I think God gave us this book and he wants us to understand it. We've taken it simply, haven't we? Haven't we taken this book simply? Hasn't it been a blessing to go through? Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. What What did Jesus say to John? He said, to write the things, number one, which you have seen. What did John see? Chapter 1, what did he see? Not hard. Jesus, remember? Glorified. Awesome. Beautiful. It blew him away. He fell at his feet as if dead. You guys remember that? I know it's a while ago. He says, write down the things which you have seen. Number one, he saw Jesus. Number two, what's the second part of our outline? The things which which are. That was chapter 2 and chapter... Three, the things which are the churches, the seven churches, correct? You guys remember? Jesus gave them seven report cards, seven churches that existed in Jesus or in John's day, correct? You guys remember that? Those were the things which are, and what's the third part of our divine outline? What does it say? Write down the things which will take place after this. Guess what? Look at the first verse of chapter four. After these things, same word as 119 right at the end. After these things, John says, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place. Place what? After this. Have we heard that before? Didn't we just read it a minute ago? 
This voice that John hears, same voice like a trumpet from chapter 1, Jesus saying, come up here, I'm going to show you the things which must take place after this. The third part of our outline. So listen, the third part of our outline is chapter 4, if you're taking notes, all the way to chapter 22. It's future, you guys. What's going to happen in the future? You don't need to go get your palm read. You don't need to go tarot cards. You don't need to go look at your, what's the thing in the newspaper, horoscope. You want to know the future? Just read your Bible right here. Come back for the next, what, six months as we go through this book. (laughs) And you'll learn all about your future. Or, Or I can just sum it up in one thing. If you know Jesus, Jesus won and we won. Amen. We're headed to heaven. Nothing overrides that. But here's, here's the cool thing. So check this out. Chapter 4 and 5, we're going to see the church in heaven. We're going to travel to heaven with John. Chapter 6 all the way to chapter 19 is the seven-year period known as the tribulation. the tribulation, the Great Tribulation. How many years is it? Seven, seven years. By the way, there's no mention of the church on earth at that time. Why? Because chapter 4 and 5 always come before chapter 6 through 19. (laughs) Chapter 6 through 19, and then in chapter 19, Jesus comes back with his saints, with his bride, with the church. And who would that be? That would be us. What are we riding on? We're going to be cruising on some, isn't that going to be cool? Cruising horses, and Jesus sets up his kingdom on earth, right, for how long? thousand years. It's also known as the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, right? That's chapter 20. And then chapter 21 and chapter 22, God creates a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to be standing with our daddy, and he's going to be creating a new heaven and a new earth. How cool is that going to be? And then we live happily ever after. <laughs> Isn't that, it's not hard, is it? We need to take this book with simplicity. And so chapter 4 and chapter 5, we see the beauty of heaven and the ugliness and pain on earth. Tribulation, seven years. And the bride is removed. How is the bride removed? The rapture. Oh, wait a minute, pastor. I don't see the word rapture in the Bible. Well, guess what? If you have a Latin Bible, you'll find it. Because that word to be taken away, harpazo in the Greek, to be snatched up, in, in the Latin Vulgate Bible, it's rapturo. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm going to read the verses. This is so important we understand this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Bible tells us, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up that's our word rapture harpazo rapturo shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord isn't that glorious Jesus said Let not your hearts be troubled. Anybody got a troubled heart here this morning? I don't need a show of hands. I know some of our hearts are troubled. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that glorious? Jesus is coming for us. Remember what we learned a couple of weeks ago in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10? Jesus said to the church, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Well, what's the means of deliverance, Lord? He says in the next verse, 311, Behold, I am coming quickly. Jesus is coming, you guys. In fact, it's beautiful because the rapture is imminent. It means it can happen at any moment. Are you guys ready? You got, what did, did Jesus say to be ready? I'm not talking about just the rapture. You guys know the rapture drill? On the count of three, we do the rapture drill. One, two. We're getting ready. We're preparing. Doing the rapture drill. But Jesus said, be ready, didn't he? Be watching, be waiting, be about his business. In fact, John says in 1 John chapter 3, if, we have, if you have that hope of Jesus coming for you, he says it will purify your heart. It will puri- it'll cause you to purify your walk with the Lord. James chapter 5, James talked about it. Behold, the Lord stands at the door. He's waiting to come. Stop grumbling. Stop complaining, he says. The Lord is coming, and we need to be ready for his coming. Are you ready to meet Jesus? To be with him forever. It's so glorious. The rapture of the church. And that's why we see here in chapter 4 and 5, the church will be there. And by the way, it tells us in 1 Thessalonians that it's Jesus who delivers us from wrath to come. We've been delivered from the wrath to come, it says. God has not appointed us unto wrath, but to salvation through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So, that's enough of an intro. Chapter 4, verse 1. After these things, I looked, John says, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. And so we have to ask ourselves, after what things? After what things? After chapter 2 and chapter 3, the church age, all of these churches, Jesus says, I'm going to show you all the things that are going to take place after this. And what's so beautiful, he sees, so what does John see? The first thing he sees, he sees an open door in heaven. And by the way, this is kind of a side note. Remember what we learned last week? Jesus says, I stand at the door and if anyone opens the door, Jesus says, I will come in and what? Dine with him and him with me. To have a relationship with him. Listen, if you open your heart to Jesus, there will be an open door in heaven for you. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, don't harden your heart. The the Lord is knocking on your heart. The longer you reject that knock, the thicker the door gets. The fainter and fainter the knock gets in your life. And so if he's knocking on your heart's door this morning, you open your heart to Jesus. And so the first voice which he heard was like a trumpet. He gets this invitation to what? To come up, to to come on up here. I will show you the things that are going to happen after this. And then verse 2, what happens? Immediately, 
He says, John says, I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven. And what's your Bible say? One sat on the throne and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. So John hears the voice of invitation. And what happens? He's in the spirit and super, John is supernaturally transported now into heaven. And what captivated him? What does it say? What did he see? The first thing that captivated him was God, the one sitting, the beauty of the one sitting on the throne. Notice God is sitting on the throne this morning, you guys. He's not pacing back and forth. He's not like biting his nails, running to the fridge, getting comfort food. Please notice also that the throne is set. It is immovable. Nothing can take him off the throne. And, and by the way, there is one on the throne. Isn't that what your Bible says? There's one. God alone sits on the throne. Does that rhyme? God alone sits on the throne. <laughs> Easy way to remember it. He's in control. You know what that means? He's in control. It's a picture of his sovereignty. He's sitting on the throne, ruling and reigning. He is in control. Do you believe he's in control this morning? Christians, my brothers and sisters, how come we don't act like it? We believe he's in control. Correct? That was like a lot of amens there. But as Christians, we come off as so, like, so frustrated and stressed and full of anxiety. We should be, listen, we should be the most chill people on the planet. Why? Because our lives are in his hands. Our times are in his hands. We know the end. We know where we're headed, correct? Why are we freaking out? If we believe he's in control, it's not only about all the events that are going on around us, but he's in control in your life too, isn't he? Sovereignly watching over you. We say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? He's my shepherd. He's leading. He's guiding me. And yet we come off like we're, like the world's going to fall apart. Like Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. And he's going to go down. Like, like, or what's, it's not Humpty Dumpty, the chicken guy. What's he say? The earth is, sky is falling. Listen, this morning, God is on the throne. He is in control. Amen to that. It's a great place to give him praise, by the way. The Lord reigns. Let the multitude rejoice. Notice with me here um, in that verse 2, the throne is mentioned twice. The throne is mentioned, listen, uh, 12 times in chapter 4. In 11 verses, it's mentioned 12 times. That's a lot, isn't it? Because what John sees, everything is in relation to this throne and the one sitting on the throne. And so, by the way, this is the throne, Hebrews chapter 4. Aren't we encouraged to come boldly before the throne of grace? That's me and you, brother or sister. You're blood bought, you're his child. We're to boldly come before this throne in our prayers, in our fellowship. And so, what does God look like? What does God look like? No one has seen God at any time, though, right? John says in John chapter 1, 
Verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him or He has revealed Him. God is spirit, right? Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth, right? And so he's, he's trying his best to describe God's appearance. And he says, and he says what? In verse 3, check it out. What does it say? And he who sat there was like a jasper. Jasper, it speaks of a diamond. We're going to hear about this word later, jasper. And it speaks of it's pure, perfect, transparent. And also sardius. Sardius is like ruby color or blood red color. I think it speaks of royalty. It speaks of his sacrificial nature also. Speaks of his sacrifice for us. And then what else does, what does John see? And there was a rainbow encircling the throne. This rainbow. Not like the rainbows we see. You know, it gets kind of cut off, right? And there's a leprechaun on one end. No, that's not true. Just joking with gold. This one, this rainbow is circling the throne. And what does the rainbow speak of? God's, God's faithfulness. Right? What did he say? That he would never flood the earth again and wipe it out. We know, though, Peter said next time there's wipeout, God's going to burn the place up. Everything we see around us is going to burn up. That's why we don't store our treasures up here. We store our treasures in heaven. Correct? We can't take our car. I mean, we don't see, you know... Our cars, our houses, our gold, our stuff here, all that's gone. Listen, the only thing we can bring with us is people. It's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Sharing the gospel. And so there's this rainbow. Again, it speaks of peace for sure. It speaks of God's grace. The color green is like an emerald that's green. It speaks of life. Life comes from the throne. It proceeds from the throne. And so notice in verse 4, around the throne, again, in relation to the throne, around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones, what did John see? I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in, what were they wearing? White robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. So who are these people? Who are these elders sitting on thrones in heaven, Surrounding the Lord. Who in the world could this be? I've heard lots of different interpretations. Lots of people share their ideas. 24 is the number of government. And it talks about the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles. And you add that together and it's 24. And So let's try to break this down, you guys. Here's how I think we can understand who they are. Let's just do it real simple. I think we can identify who they are by what they're wearing what they're bearing, and what they're sharing. How's that sound? Could we roll through this? But the first thing we see is we see them sitting on what? Thrones. Are thrones promised to anybody in the New Testament? Who's us? <laughs> she hands going up. Yeah, us. The church, right? Precious blood-bought people. Where do we find that? Look just a few verses up to chapter 3. Look at chapter 3, verse 21. To him who overcomes, Jesus says, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. So the believers there are promised 
The overcomers, those believers, are promised to sit on thrones. But check this out. Ephesians, it tells us God already sees you seated in the heavenlies. You're looking funny at me. I feel the same way. I, we're sitting here and it's, it's hot as hell in Houston. <laughs> and yet God sees me seated in the heavenlies. Why? Because he, he already sees. He sees beyond time. He sees you already there. That's how, that's how beautiful, that's how his, beautiful his program of salvation is. He already sees you in heaven, seated in the heavenlies. Okay, well that's not enough, Pastor. Well, look what they're wearing. What are they wearing? White robes. Do we find promise to white robes for anybody? Chapter 3 with me. Look at verse 4 and 5. Chapter 3, Revelation 3, 4 and 5. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments or white robes, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Isn't that beautiful? White robes promised to believers. Isaiah 61.10 tells us that Jesus is the one who robes us in, in those white robes of righteousness, you guys. Listen, only believers, this is important, only believers in the book of Revelation have white robes on. It's important. I think it's an important note. Okay, that's not enough, Pastor. Well, what are they bearing on their heads? What do we see? Crowns, right? Crowns. Any promises for crowns to believers in the New Testament? How about just in, how about just in Revelation? Flip back to me, chapter 2, real quick. 2.10. Last, last uh, sentence that Jesus says in verse 10. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Jesus said, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Also, look at chapter 3, verse 11. Jesus said, behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. There are five crowns in the New Testament. If you're taking notes, I said it too fast first service because I was super excited. So I'll try to mellow out. The crown of life found in James chapter 1, verse 12. The crown of life. Number two, the incorruptible crown. 1 Corinthians 9.25. Number three, the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.8. Crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4.8. Crown of glory, 1 Peter 5.4. Crown of exaltation or rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians 2.19. That was too fast. Come see me afterwards. So what are they wearing? What are they bearing? What are they sharing? What does that mean, Pastor? Look at chapter 5. They're singing a certain song, I think totally identifies who they are. Only believers can sing this song. Verse 9, chapter 5, verse 9 of Revelation. And they sang a new song. And listen, by the way, we should know this song. When you get to heaven and you're looking around 
wondering, what is this song we're singing? Don't say you went to Calvary Chapel, West Houston. <laughs> say you went to Calvary, Galveston. <laughs> when, when all this is going down, we should be like, I know what's going to happen next. Boom. Okay, now it's time to throw our crowns. Oh, here's the next song we're going to sing. Get ready. Here we go, guys. We've learned this already before. So what is the song? Look, at it says they sang a new song. They sang a new song saying... You are worthy to take the scroll. Speaking about Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? For you were slain and have redeemed us to God. How? By your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the Earth, Isn't that beautiful? Are you redeemed? Amen. How are we redeemed? By the blood of the Lamb. First Peter tells us that. We've been blood-bought by Jesus. There's only one group of people that can sing this song. Guess who it is? You and I. So beautiful. Based upon the evidence, I think this number of 24 elders represents the believers, represents the church, and uh, it said at the end of verse 10 of chapter 5 that we've been made kings and priests to our God. It said that at the beginning of Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. It says right at the end of verse 5, To him, speaking of Jesus, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Aren't you grateful for that? Amen. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If you're a king, what do you sit on? It's on a throne, don't you? If you're a priest, what do you do? You minister to God and you minister for God, correct? All right, Pastor, I see what you're saying. What, why, why are they called elders here? I, you know, I just learned this week. You know what elders mean? Elder means? It means mature means mature. I always thought it was just leaders in the church. Those cats that just came up here with me, we prayed for all the seniors. Elder means mature. Guess what's going to happen when you get to heaven? Are you going to still be immature? Are you going to be all grown up? Doesn't the Bible tell us that? When we see him, the Bible says we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 Corinthians, I love this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to this. Don't miss this. This is important. 1 Corinthians 13. We're told, Paul said, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. We don't see everything clearly. But then, face to face, when we see the Lord. Now I know in part... But then I shall know just as I also am known. You know what that means? We're going to be mature, all grown up. We're going to get it. We're going to understand. Everything will clearly make sense, you guys. How beautiful is that going to be? Because people ask me sometimes, Pastor, am I going to know people in heaven? Am I going to know my wife? Or am I going to get away from her? No. <laughs> they don't say that. Well, some, I'm thinking that. I, and I, you know, I tell them, you're not going to be dumber in heaven. 
We're going to be just like the Lord. When we see him, we shall be like him, the Bible says. Isn't that going to be glorious? We will know each other. Remember when Jesus took uh, James, Peter, and John up the Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus gets transfigured, and all of a sudden, who do they see in glory? Moses and Elijah. How did Peter know it was Moses and Elijah? Do they have like uniforms like Mo on the back, number three, and <laughs> Elijah 27? Oh, that's, I know. Uh, here's my scorecard. I know who that is. Somehow in glory, we're going to know. We're going to understand. We're going to see. It's going to be beautiful. Okay, pastor, I get it. Well, what about 20? So what about the 24 deal? And you know what I usually share? There's one other place I know in the Bible where the number 24 is absolutely important. You guys remember where it is? We're, we, we studied it Wednesday night. First Chronicles chapter 24. Were there lots of priests? Not a trick question. There were lots of priests, weren't there? In ancient Israel. Were there lots of priests? Yeah. Could they all fit in the temple at once? Could they all do ministry in the temple at one time? No, because you got too many guys, right? So God gave instructions to David to what? <coughs> to divide those priests to do shift work. They were on shifts, and guess how they were divided? 24 courses, 24 shifts. They would work in the temple. Isn't that beautiful? Why is that so beautiful? Because the, because the temple or the tabernacle was in miniature what's going on in heaven. I, to me, that's a, that's a beautiful picture of us ministering to the Lord for the Lord. 24 seated around the throne, doing ministry, serving the Lord, ministering unto Him. And what are the rest of us doing? Well, we're cruising around with Jesus, you know, surfing and... and I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. It's not going to be boring. You're not going to need your iPhone to be playing games to keep you occupied. It's going to be glorious. In fact, look at the next verse. Verse 5. And from the throne proceeded what? Lightnings, thunderings, and voices. You guys ever been like in a house or somewhere where, where lightning struck close by? Is it loud? Kind of scary? Well, when we get to heaven, all fear will be removed. Perfect love casts out all fear. It's loud. Heaven's going to be loud. It's going to be active. For lack of a better word, it's going to be pretty wild. We're going to have glorified ears, though, aren't we? Glorified bodies, new body, new fitted bodies for all eternity. Anybody happy about that? Again, some of the youngsters are going, this is, this, look at the six-pack. This is the glorified body, Pastor Buckaroo. <laughs> and I'm saying, just wait. And all, and all the mature saints are saying, yes and amen. <laughs> Why? From, from dust you came and dust. You're returning, aren't you? Gravity working against us. But one day, a body fitted for all eternity to be with Jesus. When we see Him, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. 
Heaven is an active place. It's not boring. And then notice what else it says in verse 5. What else did John see? Again, everything in relation to the throne. Seven lamps of fire which were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And we've learned about this is a, probably a reference to the Holy Spirit in all His fullness, in all His majesty, or the sevenfold ministry of the Holy Spirit we learned about in Isaiah 11. In any event, notice verse 6. We're told before the, what was before the throne? There was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were what? Four living creatures. Check this out. Full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying what? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So let me draw your attention real quick to verse 6. Notice this. There's a sea of glass before the throne, like crystal, transparent. It speaks of peace. Before the throne is peace, like, like still waters. Like Remember David talks about in Psalm 23? David talks about the still waters, there's peace. In heaven, there's peace, you guys. Heaven knows God's peace. Listen, do you have heaven's peace in your heart this morning? Well, it's okay. The Bible tells us, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If you're not experiencing heaven's peace, listen, you need to get connected with the Lord in prayer to pray, to thank Him. Because listen, it can be loud and wild around us, but we can have peace in our hearts just like heaven. There's thunderings and lightnings and, and voices, and, and yet it's, there's this transparent sea of glass. There's peace right there. Heaven knows God's peace stress-free peace. And so notice John tries his best to describe these living creatures. He says they've got tons of eyes, full of eyes in front and in back. They, they, and all these different faces, they seem, listen, they seem to be some type of angelic being. They resemble the cherubim, if you're taking notes, Ezekiel chapter 1 and chapter 10. Ezekiel chapter 1 and chapter 10. They seem to resemble the cherubim there. But they also seem to sound like the seraphim angels found in Isaiah chapter 6. Remember, there's different types, there's different distinctions of angels. There's cherubims and seraphims, and there's an archangel, right, Michael? The archangel. There's the angel of baby announcements, Gabriel, also. It's interesting, later when we see Satan bound... It's just a, like your common garden variety angel. Just binds him up and throws him in the pit. Just an angel. Just a regular old Jim Bob the angel. But here, here we see, and you know, they're, they're kind of weird looking, aren't they? Aren't they kind of weird looking, you guys? Are you guys still with me this morning? I wonder if they look at us and say, look, two eyes. Look at that hair. And that guy. That dude's weird looking. Only two, only two arms? What's so beautiful, though, is they've been around a long time, you guys, and they are still passionately involved in worshiping the Lord. 
Holy, holy, holy. They're proclaiming holy, I believe, to each person of the, of the Godhead, to the Father, the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy. Holy means distinct. It means unique, different, unlike any other. Listen, the Lord's love, His grace, His forgiveness, His loving kindness, it's like, unlike anything else. He's distinct. He is the Creator and we are the creation. There is no one like Him. He is glorious. And their song, what is heaven declaring? God's holiness, that He's almighty, that He's all-powerful, that He's eternal, who was and is and is to come. He's unchanging. He's worthy of our trust. And these angelic beings, they seem to be the worship leaders because they're going to kick off this whole... Watch what happens. They trigger the chorus here. Look what it says. Verse 9 as we finish. Last three verses. We're done. Get you guys out of here. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Look at verse 10. The 24 elders, what do they do? Fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, can we, can we say this together, I think? we pull it off? You ready? On the count of three? One, two, three. Here we go. You are worthy, O Lord. Wait, time out, time out. That's, heaven's going to be loud, you guys. Let's start from the top. One more time. Come on. One, two, three. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Amen. It's good. Get warmed up for heaven. So these angelic beings are like the worship leaders. They start their thing, right? They start their singing, holy, holy, holy. And then all of a sudden it triggers right here. Uh, that's a bad word to use these days. Isn't it trigger making someone mad? Sorry. It kicks off or it starts up or gives the, you know, three, two, all right, boom. The praise starts. The church falls down, bows down, and casts their crowns. And when we throw our crowns before the Lord, we're declaring what? That He alone is worthy. He alone is glorious. He alone is honorable. He alone is all-powerful. All power, true power, comes from Him alone. Listen, in the Old Testament, what was the worship book in the Old Testament? For the Psalms, thank you. In the New Testament, the early church, they took their worship songs from these, from these songs that we're reading about. That was a worship song. They put, that to, they put that to music or to singing. They would sing this to honor and to glorify the Lord. He, the, he's worthy of these attributes. He alone gets the glory. And they acknowledge Him also. Notice the Lord is the creator of all things. The Bible says in Colossians 1, it says Jesus, it says about Him, he create, all things are created by Him and for Him. And it says here, you created all things, and by your will, you know what will means? Will means desire, or wish, or pleasure. By your will, they exist. Do you know the Bible says Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power? Do you know who's upholding your life right now? 
It's by His will, by His desire that you're existing, that you're here, that you were created. That was His desire, His wish to make you. But not just, just to leave it there. He wants to know you. I think the King James Bible, I brought my King Jimmy. I think the King James does a better translation of this verse. I, I'm, I'm teaching from the New King James, but this is the Old King James. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, listen, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Did you catch that? All things were created for God's pleasure. I was talking to my seven-year-old Alana on the way to church this morning. And I said, honey, what does it mean that we're created for God's pleasure? You know what she said to me? Dad, that means that we were not created for our own pleasure. <laughs> yep. Listen, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, baby. <laughs> that came from my father above. But that's pretty heavy. You have not been made for your own pleasure, but the pleasure of God. And that's why when you're living for your own pleasure, nothing makes sense. Why there's emptiness. Why there's hurt. Why there's frustration. When you're living for your own pleasure, you're not, you're not living for the reason you were created. You're created for His pleasure. And, and I, I look at that, it's like, wow, this is so awesome. Because God made you. He formed you. He shaped you. He breathed life into you. He gave you life, not so you can live for yourself, but that you can live for Him. Are you living a life that is devoted to God this morning? How, listen, this morning, how much does God want of us? Like 10%? Like a, like a fraction, like a portion of your life? A section? Like you make up your own calendar for the week and then plug God in wherever you can? Let me see if I can fit you in right here. Does he want some of us or all of us? He wants all of us, everything. Well, pastor, what right does he have to ask everything of us? You know what? He has every right because he's God. How much has God given you? He's given you everything. Everything. And he's upholding your very next breath. And we take everything that we have that He's given us and offer them back to Him in worship. You know what worship means? It means it's, it comes from an old English word, worth-ship. Worth-ship. And you know what that means? It means that when we worship, we're telling God what He's worth. When we worship Him. And worship isn't just coming in and singing a couple songs. We worship Him. When we're obedient to the Lord's Word, we're saying, Lord, You're worth it. You're worthy to be obeyed. You're worth it. When we trust Him, we're saying, we're worshiping Him. Lord, You're worth it. I trust You. I'm declaring You are worthy. We're telling God what He's worth and how much He matters to us. Listen. When we don't worship, we're showing Him He doesn't mean that much to us. Sadly. And again, are you living the life the way that you're intended to live this morning? If not, it's time to pull back and say, Okay, Lord, 
I've jacked this thing up. <laughs> been going my own way, living for my own pleasure, for my own will, my own desire. And I get it now. I will live for you, for your pleasure, to bring you glory. And aren't you glad the Lord doesn't fire you? Amen. That he's the God of the second chance. And he's right here. You don't need to go find him somewhere. All you got to do is just turn around. He's right there. He doesn't leave you. You've had your back turned to him, living for your own pleasure, for your own will, your own desires. And he's right there just chilling, waiting for you. And then you hear a message like this and you hear about heaven. You hear about his goodness. You hear about his patience. Unlike any other, like we're impatient cats, aren't we? We're impatient people. He's not. He's patient. And he's just waiting for you to just, little 180 piece. Just, okay, Lord, I get it. I'll worship you. You are worthy. You're worth it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning. Wow. You're so great, Lord. So greatly to be praised. What a scene we see here. That we're going to be a part of this. Because of what you've done for us. We don't deserve any of it. It's all by your grace. Forgive us, Lord, for when we live our ways in such a way that does not reflect your worth. At times dishonoring. Thank you for that amazing promise that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to purify us from all unrighteousness. We want to be a people that worships you in spirit and in truth. And you've made us a royal priesthood that we might offer up sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices that would bring you glory. And so, Lord, may we reflect on these things and seek the things that are above, set our mind on things above to get our hearts, our minds in tune with your will going your way and allowing you to guide our steps. Thank you, Lord. We don't need to be freaking out, stressed out. You're on the throne. You are in control. That we can rest in you today. That your will, your ways are best. Everything you've done is righteous and true. We bless you. Thank you that our names are written in heaven.